Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, the last chapter, chapter 34. We have somewhat fast-forwarded in the life of Moses. Uh, Now he has led the people of Israel uh, to the cusp of the promised land that God had set apart for them. And uh, now in this last chapter, we see Moses in his final days. Listen now to God's word for us, beginning with verse 1 in chapter 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead, as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired, and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Great God, may your Holy Spirit be at work within us and among us as this faith community that we may be able to discern your will through your word, we pray. Amen. So as I envision Moses on that mountain, looking down onto the promised land, it almost doesn't seem fair. You know, here was a man who served God faithfully for a full generation, for 40 years, leading the people of Israel across the desert to the threshold of the land of promise. And now God will not allow him to enter that land. This is the land of which I swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God says to him, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over to there. 
which is to say Moses is allowed to lay eyes on this land of promise where his descendants will live, and he can see the places where God's people are going to be able to settle and plant their crops and build their houses. But he's not allowed to go there. Now remember, up to this point, Moses said yes to everything that God asked him to do, even though he was quite reluctant to do that when God came to him and spoke through the burning bush, saying, you shall go to the Pharaoh and tell him to release my people. He said, I don't think I'm the right person for you, God. But he went anyway. God commanded Moses to climb Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. Moses obeyed. You know, he loved the people of Israel even when they were not easy to love. For 40 years, he put up with their whining and with their complaining as they made this long trek across the desert. For 40 years, you know, he put up with the elements, the sun beating down on the back of his neck and the sand whipping up in his face, the scarce rations available to them. Now, The reward, right? He can enter the promised land. No. You cannot go there, Moses. And as I picture Moses there on the mountain in the midst of the frustration which inevitably had to be his, you know, I look back over my life, as I'm sure you do also, and consider those times when you experienced the same thing. Life is full of crossroads, and each time we approach one of these crossroads in life, we're thinking, God, this is the direction that I want to go. This is the place that I want to live. This is the career, the vocation that I want to have. This is the one person I want to be able to marry. And you pray to God about this. You earnestly seek God's favor for it. And so often the result is not what we are hoping. As a pastor, I can recall many times standing at a hospital bedside of many a church member praying that God would spare their lives. And I remember this one particular request that I made for a personal friend who had a fatal blood clot, which came without warning. And at that time, he had two sons, and they were married, both of them were married, and these ones they were married to were pregnant with his first grandchildren. And as we stood around this hospital bed as his life was being drained from him, I remember praying, you know, God, if you could just give Bill one more year, you know, that he'd be able to see the birth of his grandchildren that he would be able to hold them, that he would be able to see them, you know, in the crawling stage or at least to the moment in which they could could stand just one year. I think he would be okay with that. And in the same way, I was thinking, if Moses, if he just had one more year, God, one more year as a kind of reward for all that he had done. You know, he could have seen the places where God's people were to live. And I even had this vision of Moses as as he has entered into that land to put his hands in the soil and letting it run through his fingers and saying, yes, God, this is enough. You can take me now. 
But in both cases, the answer was no. My friend Bill was not able to see the birth of his grandchildren, and Moses could not enter the promised land. So what do we do when God says no? I think sometimes, you know, when we get so wrapped up in our own personal regrets and our own disappointments, we kind of get that tunnel vision. We don't see the whole picture. And so if we examine closely this man Moses, the stage of life that he was in, the Bible tells us he was 120 years old. And while the Bible tells us that he was remarkably preserved for someone of that age, we have to acknowledge he was 120 years old. And then I consider what lay ahead for Moses and God's people. The promised land, while it was a, man, a, a land flowing with uh, milk and honey, a land of abu- abundance, was also a hostile land. And, you know, when Moses sent out the spies into that promised land, they came back with a report and saying, I don't know how we are ever going to be able to take this land. The people are hostile. So what they needed was someone who could lead them into battle. Someone who was adept with the sword, was a bona fide warrior, and that man was not Moses. Rather, it would fall on a man named Joshua. Joshua was a warrior, and he would be the one who could whip the Israelites into a standing army. He would be the one most suited to engage these formidable foes that inhabited the land of promise. You see, Moses had a role to play, and his role was to lead the people out of Egypt, where they were held in captivity, and across the desert and to the cusp of the promised land. He was the right guy to ascend the mountain of Mount Sinai, to receive the Ten Commandments, and then deliver those commandments to God's people while they were there traveling through the desert and to kind of hammer into the heads of the people what kind of folks they were supposed to be as God's covenant community. He was the right guy to lead them to the threshold of the promised land, but he was not the right guy to lead them into battle. That responsibility came to this man named Joshua. Moses, his role was to be the lawgiver. Joshua was the warrior. And what this means is that when we experience the no of God, it is often God's way of showing us what our role in life is supposed to be. I mean, I remember when I played Little League Baseball, uh, 10 years old, and when you're in Little League Baseball and you're 10 years old, you want to be a pitcher, okay? That was the best athlete. That's the one who got all the attention. And so I worked hard because I wanted to be a pitcher playing Little League Baseball. I remember playing catch with my dad, trying to hone my pitching skills, and, you know, we would go to practices, and the coach would let me, uh, you know, practice uh, being a pitcher, And then after practice one day, a coach came over to me, and he took me by the hair. I had hair then. 
And he said, Peter, I know you want to be a pitcher, but you got a problem. You don't know how to throw strikes. And you got to put the ball over the plate. But, you know, I noticed that you are good at running down fly balls in the outfield. That's where you belong. So you see, the, you know, the no can lead to a yes. The no can be the way of understanding then what your role is supposed to be. So rather than seeing the no of God as a rejection of who we are or what we consider to be important, the no becomes an opportunity to make a new discovery. And it seems to me the great people of the Bible, they had to learn this over and over again. You know, I think of when Jesus, he called those 12 disciples to follow, that, follow him. They had all kinds of expectations about who this Jesus was supposed to be. He was going to lead them into battle against the uh, Roman government, overthrow them, and then each one of those disciples, they were going to become prominent uh, stakeholders in that new kingdom. Jesus' answer to them was no. He was not that kind of Messiah, and that was not the kind of kingdom he came to bring. And what this means is that when God says no, it is just as much an expression of his love as when he says yes. The no experiences of life, experiences of life, are what mold us and shape us into the people that God wants us to be. I think we parents learned that over time. You know, Dad, can I stay up late tonight? Dad, can I take the car on a road trip with friends? We'll be back in a few days. Dad, can I eat whatever I want, whenever I want to? The easy way in parenting is to say yes. But the easy way is rarely the right way in the kingdom of God. I'm thinking of that uh, one commercial about several years ago, and they're interviewing these different uh, teenagers, and they were expressing their frustration with their parents. And one of them said, uh, you know, saying to his parents, speaking to them, when I asked you to stay out past curfew, you said no. When I asked you if I could go out of town to go to the football game, you said no. You were constantly wanting to know where I was going to be, when I was going to be home. I dreaded asking you for things because I so often expected what the answer was going to be. So let me say this. Thank you. No is what sets the parameters and the limits which we all need to have. And you know, when we become confident that God knows what he's doing with us, it can actually be a very freeing thing. You know, there is great freedom in life when we know that God is the one who is at the wheel. He is the one who is in control. I remember when I was growing up in Pittsburgh every year, you know, we would go to this amusement park that was known as Kennywood. And when I would go to Kennywood as a kid with my parents, I knew that they would only allow me to go on the rides they knew that I could handle. 
If I could handle the scooter, they would say yes, but when it came to riding a roller coaster, the answer was no. And there was something freeing in that, that, hey, I didn't have to make this decision because I could be confident that they knew what was the right thing for me. And when we trust in the providence of God, when we believe that God is sovereign, when we are confident that God's way is the right way, we can move forward in life with assurance. And one more thing to consider. When we experience the no of God today, it does not eliminate the yeses from yesterday. You know, God said yes to Moses and affirmed him as the leader of his people. He said yes to him when he, re- he was the one who received the Ten Commandments. God said yes to Moses as he led them through the harsh desert to the threshold of the promised land. And now it was time for him to step down. Well done, good and faithful servant, Moses. You were faithful in what God entrusted to you. The book of Deuteronomy says this, Never since has there arisen a prophet in all of Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all of his servants and his entire land. So understand this. It may be that when God is about to do a great thing with you, when God is about to do significant work with you to create you into the person he wants you to be, it often will begin with this statement. No. Amen.